broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and the Jaron Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Oh, we made it, everybody. We made it to NFL Draft Day 2022. We talked about it for over 120 days and probably beyond, right? Because even when the season ended or was almost ending, we knew the Jaguars were had an eye on the draft and needed to get some help. Well, tonight they try to get some help. Who will it be? The discussions have taken place for a long time right here on these airwaves on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We're about to find out in a handful of hours. And we're live at Daly's Place at Jags headquarters, and the buzz is starting to pick up. Been here since uh, 7 in the morning, quite frankly, on TV side. And we'll be here all the way until about midnight. But you can feel it build, a lot of activity going on. And we have an absolutely gorgeous day in Jacksonville. I can tell you this, Casey Kurtz, whoever gets picked to the Jags, they're going to like the weather at least on a Thursday and hopefully a Friday when they get here. Heck yeah. Ain't <laughs> way better than that Detroit weather, am I right? <laughs> That's right. Does Aiden Hutchinson really want to stay at home? <laughs> Not for that weather, tell you what. Uh, it don't snow yeah. here, boy. All right, uh, we got to do the how do you feel test, Okay. Because for two weeks, even before now, and I'm not, this isn't like an I told you so moment because I hate I told you so moments, but for two weeks, I've been telling you, I really feel like the Jags might pick Walker, Trayvon Walker. Mm-hmm. Well, yesterday, I told you that I kind of woke up and was thinking about it a little bit more while I'm still on board with Walker, and I still think it could happen, and I know the odds on favor to Walker. I got a feeling they, yesterday, for the first time in like two weeks, that they might take Aiden Hutchinson. And so now I'm like, okay, do I go back to Walker today? How am I feeling about it? What's the gut say? And I got to be honest with you, it hasn't changed back to Walker. Even though the more I read about Walker, the more I'm still convicted about Walker. I like Walker. I think he's actually more of an exciting football player than Aiden Hutchinson. I like the upside. I do think it's got home run potential. And I also like Hutchinson. So this isn't like, I can't believe they took Walker instead of Hutchinson. I like them both. I think they're going to be good players. And uh, I know that you probably want me to say I hate one of them. That's not the case. I think they're going to be good players in the NFL. I, I actually do feel like the Jags can't go wrong here. I like the floors. But I do think there's more upside to a guy like Walker and what he can do to help your defense change your defense. So, uh, But that being said, all that low for Walker from me, uh, my gut says, Brent, you get to pick Hutchinson, Neal, Aquanu, Walker, Take those four guys or somebody else. I won't go with the somebody else pile. I'm not going the offensive line pile. And today, I'm putting most of my chips in the Aiden Hutchinson pile, that bucket. I just have a gut they're taking Aiden Hutchinson, Casey. What's your gut say? Uh, well, first of all, if you really feel that way, maybe go log onto a website and put some money down on it because I feel like your odds will be pretty good. Um, unfortunately... In my opinion, uh, my gut says they're going to pick Trevon Walker. I don't know why. Uh, well, I do know why everybody in the world thinks they're going to pick him. And not that I necessarily just am in that herd mentality, but it's a. I hate to say it, man, but it's a Jags thing to do. It's an outside of the box, don't really see it come and move. We've kind of established that anybody else at the number one pick wouldn't do this, but since the Jags have this pick, that's where this is taken off. So it just feels like something the Jags would do. I will tell you this. I went down a rabbit hole last night for about four hours laying in bed watching Kevon Thibodeau tape, Javon Walker tape, reading things. I did a whole lot of research last night, and I think they're going to make a terrible mistake by not picking Kevon Thibodeau. I understand they're not going to pick him, 
I think it's going to be a terrible mistake when we look back on it. But nonetheless, you asked me the question. My gut says they're going to pick Trevon Walker. You really like him that much, huh? You like Thibodeau that much. Yeah, I, I always have, and then last night just kind of reaffirmed it. I was worried about his game against the run, and then I think that Utah game that I was really locked into was an anomaly because when you go back and kind of look at the numbers and just I, watching the, the highlights of it, he can play the run, I think. So I think it's going to be a bad decision for people to pass on this guy when it's all said and done and we look back on it, we're going to be like, why did that happen? And I think that's what we're going to get. And if you want to look at it in the boomer bus way, like we think Trevon Walker is, Kevon Thibodeau's boomer bus as well. If you don't think he loves football or whatever, they're both freaky athletes. We know that. And if you're worried about the love of football part with Thibodeau, that's just as boomer bust as it is with Trevon Walker, except it's a different concern. That's a really good point, man. I, I think uh, that's a fair point, too. It's, and I like that, right? Uh, well, uh, let's just say this. I think the differentiation here is you could have Aiden Hutchinson people. Let's just go with the narratives. Aiden Hutchinson, not high enough ceiling for a number one pick, not going to be good enough, not, has no chance to be like this Hall of Famer. That's what people are saying. I don't buy that, actually, but that's what people are saying. Then you got Walker. It's like, come on, man, no production. Where do you play him? How do you use him? Uh, and, and did he do enough to impress that he can play at this level to be a number one overall pick? Is it going to be scrutinized in a head-scratcher? It's going to be scrutinized. Who knows if it's a head-scratcher? That's the narrative. And then you have a Kayvon Thibodeau who has long been listed as this boomer bust guy. But I think the differentiation there is I'm not sure Walker's listed as a bust guy. I think there's a high floor for him. I think there's a high floor for, for Hutchinson. I think that's why these guys are where they're at, maybe compared to Thibodeau. I think Thibodeau continues to be more risk for whatever reason. I don't know if I buy the love football stuff, the me, me, me brand stuff. I mean, there are plenty of really good. Listen, we covered Jalen Ramsey around here. He could be me, me, me all he wants if he plays like that, yeah. right? So, but I, I think that's the separator. And there's a lot of smoke now. Depend, well, I should say a lot, but you can read just about anything you want to read right now. And there's some smoke that people think Thibodeau's going to go in the top five. And, should. and so we'll see if that happens. And that will be fascinating if all three defensive players go in the top five because now you've got the ultimate measuring stick, right? You're like, okay, which one should you have taken? I go back to that Ramsey draft in 2016, and I remember the two quarterbacks went off the board. That would have been Wentz and Goff, right? Well, then the Cowboys were picking uh, fourth, the Chargers were picking third, and the Jags were picking fifth. So I just went in, like, a totally bad order, but that's how I remembered it. Chargers three, Cowboys four, Jags five. And we had kind of heard that the Jags liked three players. They liked DeForest Buckner, they liked Bosa, and they liked Ramsey. And so you're like, hey, they feel pretty good about all three. They know the quarterbacks are going off the board. It's really like a top three pick because the Jags weren't going quarterback in that draft. So Bosa goes, and then, of course, Dallas picks Ezekiel Elliott, and the Jags get Ramsey. And I don't think many people thought the Jags were going to get Ramsey that year because of... Uh, the Dallas is, is a guy that is a team that they really thought would go get Ramsey and probably would fit pretty well in Dallas, quite frankly, too. Um, so I look at it a little bit like that where I said, okay, let's compare now. Bosa, Ezekiel Elliott, Ramsey, and even DeForest Buckner. Well, all those players have performed pretty nicely. Yeah. You know, uh, you could make the case maybe the Jags are better off if they did get Bosa. Maybe they're better off they did get Buckner. Maybe they'd still have one of those players. They were very good when they had Ramsey. He was a fantastic player for them, just couldn't keep him. And then Ezekiel Elliott wasn't even on their radar. So I look at it that way like, all right, either way, we're probably going to compare Hutchinson 
Walker and Thibodeau's careers. But if they get picked in the top five, then I think we really do that. And is there a chance they get picked in succession? I think there's a small chance that Thibodeau goes three, Walker or Hutchinson goes two, and Walker or Hutchinson goes one. So we could get them in succession as well. But keep an eye on that as we measure this draft down the road. It's not just what the Jags are doing. It's what they could have done because they have the number one overall pick. They are in the perch to be able to dictate what everybody else does. Back in that year I'm talking about, 2016, Joey Bosa, the Jags, they might have liked him, but they couldn't control. They got him because the Chargers picked number three and then Dallas right after them, and then they had to wait their turn. Totally different this time around, which I also think adds a little more pressure. The Jags, they got to get a good player, but they also got to get a better player than those other guys are, and they also got to make sure they get it right or it's going to look really bad. Yeah, really, 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 really bad. And I, you know, it's it's tough to say. I think it, I think it'll be interesting, but I'm telling you, I think this will be one of the worst decisions they've made passing on Kevon Thibodeau. And I'm fine being on you know freezing cold takes in like four years by saying that. But I truly <laughs> believe that this guy's going to be incredible. I'm not saying Trevon Walker won't. I won't say Aiden Hutchinson won't be. But I think Thibodeau is going to be far and away the best pass rusher of the three. And I think they're going to make a huge mistake by not picking him tonight, which obviously I don't think they're going to do. I talked about this a little bit on TV this morning. Who's got the power in this play for the Jags? I think Shad Khan, Tony Khan, Doug Peterson, Trent Baalke all know who they're picking. I think they've collaborated and made a decision. So does Ocho Cinco, apparently. Did you see that? <laughs> oh, he made, he's part of it? He knows? They t- he tweeted, like, what's going on? And the Jags quote retweeted and said, check your DMs. So, <laughs> you know, maybe we get Ocho Cinco on the show. He knows. But yeah, anyway. He might know. But um, who's the power player in all that? Shot, obviously. I, I really don't believe Shot is getting too involved with the football side of decision-making. I think he's listening, playing mediator, asking questions sifting through. I think he wants to be a part of it like that. I think he's learned that. I want to have a, a more of a, an ear and, and if I need to, a voice. But I really just don't buy that he's making the pick. I think Tony contributes as well with his thoughts and, and data and other things and how they fit and listens. But I do think this comes down to Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke. What I don't know from a I don't know if it's even a crystal clear situation. I just don't know how muddy it is the influence of Peterson. Balky's the GM. Usually GMs make the selections. It's going to go on his record. But I really feel that ever since Doug Peterson got here, he has made it a point to tell people he wants to say in player acquisition. And so I got to believe he had a big say in what went on in free agency. Not sure he ultimately pulled the trigger. And I got to believe he has a big say this weekend in what the Jags draft and how they built their board. But I'm really not sure if he has the ultimate decision. You have a good feel if Bulky or Peterson is really making the decision here? I I agree with what you said that I think Doug Peterson does have a fair amount of say in what's going on. That's why you come here. He's, you know, an experienced guy. I think all that makes sense. But at the end of the day, I, I, I hate to just do the casual 50-50 uh, approach, but I think they both have a good amount of say. But... Shad Khan made it a point to keep Trent Baalke around when nobody else on the planet would have done so. So I think the that Shad has his trust in Trent Baalke, and I think that he's probably the highest voice, if you will, the loudest voice in this room when it comes to this pick, in my opinion. 
Well, and, and listen, I think it's an important thing to bring up and probably something we haven't talked about enough because last year, Shad Khan went with this super coach-centric system. Urban Meyer had the keys to the entire building. The problem is he couldn't find any key that worked. <laughs> so, I mean, you know that janitor set of keys? Yep. There the guy's pants are sagging because the keys weigh like 25 pounds? Yeah. Or maybe that's your own set of keys. Although with key fobs, it doesn't happen very much anymore. But sure. Like, that's what Urban Meyer had. Like, he had the keys to, like, the ticket office. He could get in every reason. door. Yep. Yeah, and so Chad went that way. And so I feel like he wanted the coach to have a pretty good say. Now, Urban, to get him here, they needed to give him probably all those keys. I don't think Doug has as many keys to the building, but he's got a big key that gets in the big board room. Oh, yeah, and he's in that war room. And so... I wonder if he leans because listen, the, the what's the possibility that both guys leading up to the process? Let's just say two months ago, when the thing really started because Doug got the job, that Trent Balky said, "Hey, Doug, we've done a lot of homework here, and uh, we really think uh, Trayvon Walker is going to be a great fit. Like we 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 love the idea of Trayvon Walker, Trayvon Walker, Trayvon Walker. Like what's the real like?" What's the possibility that Doug Peterson said, oh, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too? Not in this draft, when nobody really knows who the best player is. So I would say they disagreed at the outset of, I think I would put my money on they disagreed at the outset of who they should take number one overall. Now, you have meetings, you have more information, you meet the guy and the kid, and you do your homework and the background, and you meet coaches and talk to coaches and how we're going to use them. You build your staff, all those things, they factor in. And so I'm not telling you that they disagree tonight on who the number one guy is. But I wonder who swayed who if they did disagree initially, which i I got to believe they disagreed initially because I think a lot of people around the NFL disagree even now. <laughs> who yeah. should be the number one overall pick? Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. And I think to that point, I, again, I, who swayed who, we, will, we, we might find out, but we don't know at this point. But I agree with your point as in, Trent Baalke, this is his job and has been his job for ye- for a couple years now at this point. Doug Peterson did not have a job in the NFL last year. That doesn't mean he wasn't paying attention. That doesn't mean he wasn't planning to get back in. But this has been Trent Baalke's thing. I understand he has other parts to his job. But knowing this draft was coming up, he was preparing to make that pick. So I would believe that Trent Baalke was the one who had the information, had the people he liked. Sure, Doug Peterson has an opinion from seeing what he's seen. But this was what Trent Baalke was living for 12 months. So I'd like to believe that, to your point, like you just said, when Doug came in, Balky had this idea, and they went from there. Well, and by the way, Casey, like, here's a, there's a huge element to this. Doug Peterson comes in, hires a staff, and then your staff evaluates the talent that's already in the building. You choose to keep Cam Robinson, right? So that maybe takes tackle off the board. How much do you like a Ben Barch? How do you feel about Walker Little and all these other guys? Well, they're evaluating. They, they, they're giving their consensus. Uh, and they're also building a scheme offensively but really defensively because the scheme fit here in Jacksonville is a fascinating one for where they put Hutchinson where they put Walker well how they would use a Thibodeau and and anybody else they have factored in here so I think it's realistic to say to your point yeah listen this scouting staff did all this work they had a good feel and they didn't make the pick right away but they had a 
and on January 31st, they had a board built that probably looked like we like this pool of players at number one. Yeah. We kind of like this guy. But when Doug Peterson comes in, shapes the staff, brings Mike Caldwell in, Brenton Buckter in, you start getting, hey, we're going to run this scheme, and we like this fit, and we like these kind of players. Well, wait a minute now. This guy right here that we had down at three or two or four, he seems to match a lot better with this coaching staff and what we're about to do. And so we might want to investigate this a little bit more. That's my point. Like, I'm not trying to set up this, this situation where I don't believe bulky or uh, we've got a big argument and they don't get along. I'm not saying that. I just think circumstantially things really changed for bulky and his personnel staff and how they might have viewed that top pick two months ago compared to mid-February into March, then after free agency, and as we get to today. So uh, I'd love to know the backstory. Maybe we will find that out. I don't know if they'll shed the light uh, and be that transparent because they really are trying to preach collaboration. And so I don't think they're going to try to present in any way that there was disagreement or I can't believe Bulky thought this guy was number one, so we ended up taking, you know, maybe someday we find out how it all unveiled itself. And I guess there's the odds, although I think they're small, that they were on the same page from day one. Uh, yeah, I agree. Be I don't buy odds. that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I just don't buy that, not because of the guys in, in the building, not because of Peterson and Balky. I don't buy it because of the draft. There's too many guys that could be number one. Exactly. Yeah, it's a what-are-the-odd situation. I agree with that. There's too many yeah. guys that you could have graded number one, and as discussed, we don't even know if anybody else has Trevon Walker graded as number one. So you'd have to believe that if those two guys both had him in that spot, that would be either one heck of a coincidence or someone was lying. So I think, I think to your point, it makes exact sense. I, I still believe, like, and this is why we're on this topic here, because Peterson's fascinating to me. What could have gone wrong in, in Philadelphia? Ah, a bunch of different things, right? I mean, you, you win big, and then the quarterback starts playing not so great, and then you lose a little bit, and that's ah, not a great feeling, or else it's going to mix it up and change it, even though thanks for the Super Bowl. Or was it more power stuff? Like, hey, why are you giving me these guys when I think we should be getting these guys? Why don't you value my input? And could that have been a part of it? I think so, certainly. And, again, if you listen to Doug Peterson talk since he got the job at his introductory news conference, at the combine with us, at the owners' meetings, at the pre-draft luncheon, he is willing to say, yeah, I want a say. And I don't think he takes the job without having a say, quite frankly, especially given the perception of bulky around the league coming into this job in that six-week search. So I do think Peterson is a fascinating player in all of this, where I almost believe there's a decent chance – he might have flipped the board upside down to some degree. It's always possible. I agree with you, and I think we never really – we we know some about what happened in Philly, but we don't know all of it. So I could see it. The idea of wanting more control of the personnel that you have on the field is obviously a key part for the head coach. So I I could see it, but to me, man, I think – I think Trambalki's in the driver's seat for at least this draft. Going forward, who knows? When Doug Peterson gets more under his belt in a full year of what he wants to do, then I could see it. But for me, I think I think it's Captain Trent on this ship right now. Well, and, and I, I think you bring up a really good point there, too, and, and I think we should say it uh, before we go to break. And that is, if if bulk for Balky and Shad, why did Shad Khan keep Trent Balky? Well, because he probably didn't think he got a fair shake under Urban Meyer. Meyer had too much influence, too many keys to the building. And so to your point, Casey, you might be right there where, hey, let's let him do his thing. 
The guy's been doing this for a long time. Let him let us do this thing and not have influence of a college guy coming in and Urban Meyer and all the rest. Um, so uh, we'll see. It's going to go on Trent Baalke's record regardless, good or bad. We know that. It doesn't go on the head coach's resume uh, very often. We're going to take a break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. We are live at the stadium right outside Daly's Place. ton of TV coverage on CBS 47, Fox 30. That all starts at 4 o'clock, runs right till 1130. You can hear the draft on ESPN 690. Coming up next, former UNF Osprey here to cover the draft of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Sarah Walsh joins us up next on ESPN 690. People know, you know, over a month ago, I think we talked about that. We let people know we were open to discussions. You always are. You never say you're, you know, never. Uh, maybe last year when you're sitting there with the first pick and the quarterback's there that you're going to, you know, that's not negotiable. But most of the time that is negotiable. So uh, we're, we're willing to listen. Uh, but to answer your question, no, nobody's called directly. And nobody will call for that first overall pick. It's just not that kind of draft. I said earlier today on TV, on CBS 47, Fox 30, I said if Trent Baalke could have three things go his way, I want this guy, I want this guy, or I want a trade, he would say, give me the trade. But it's not going to happen, and uh, the Jaguars won't get many calls. I don't, I'd be absolutely floored if they get a trade up. Uh, there's just not the quarterbacks available or that marquee player to go get. In fact, I think the whole draft is looking to trade down potentially, even tomorrow. Watch for the Jags to do that. We'd love to see the Jags trade back in the first round and go get another big-time player with that uh, 33rd, turned it into like a 22nd overall pick potentially. Brent Martineau here at Daly's Place at Jags headquarters. Draft Day 2022 is here. And if you're watching us on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch, well, say hello to Sarah Walsh. Uh, from the NFL Network and from Fox and former UNF Osprey. Welcome back to town. I am. Thank you for having me. You know, it's funny. I Doug and the gang were walking off the field yesterday, and it's so nice out. And so I walked up to him, and I said, just so you know, like, this is not how Jacksonville practice weather is because I did two days in <laughs> August in Jacksonville as an Osprey, and it's brutal. Like, the humidity is brutal. And so I'm like, I just, you know, I don't know if I just want to make you aware, like, this is, like, incredible, and this is not the norm yeah it's, it's not a, the training camp norm it is not no it's going to be a lot more soaking wet yep. in, in august that's i call them three shirt days for training camp it is that kind of hot that's pretty you know. disgusting <laughs> well you grew up in tampa right i uh, did so you know this weather and uh the sarah walsh by the way and UNF loves Sarah Walsh, especially around 2015 tournament time. I did. Uh, that was a did crazy they still time. Like, did you get, like, residuals for all the free advertising they got out of that deal? I should. You, are you talking about when I came back and <laughs> yeah. they were in the in the big – it was a crazy – I remember it being a crazy time. I was at ESPN, and it was, you know, they had to win and get in sort of thing. And I was supposed to be, like, leaving town for something else. I wasn't doing that. And it was – like a last-minute thing, like, hey, if they get in, this is a huge deal. And every, and that's what's so special about that tournament. There's always a school that's getting in for the first time yes. and the enthusiasm of that. And so I had one plane to catch, but if they were going to get in, I was going to get on a plane to Jacksonville. It was this whole scenario of things. And I'm sure it wasn't a direct flight from Hartford, Connecticut, <laughs> to Jacksonville. And so I'm watching this game with a suitcase packed for two different places. And then it was like a mad dash to the airport for me to get cleared to come down to Jacksonville. And they rolled out the red carpet. And when I went to school there, they didn't have the Lazy River. And so my idea, the Lazy River <laughs> through the, you know, dorms. 
And I remember saying, this is what, I, I mean, everyone, that would be the thing that everyone talks about. And so, you know, we have photographers and they have very expensive equipment. And I'm like, I want to get in the lazy river with the player. Uh, and they were like, are you crazy? And I'm like, no, 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 this is going to like make the piece. And they were so nervous that I had this mic, we had, oh, yeah. we had the inflatable <laughs> tubes. And I did the interview floating down the lazy river and people still remember that. And people, when they watched it, they were like, oh my God, that's where you went to school. And then I have to be like, well, unfortunately I didn't get the lazy river, <laughs> but I probably would have never gotten out of it if I had it. But it was so funny. It was still memorable, and I think they had that in their media guides. Like, I oh, still yeah, see they, that picture, they like, pop still up. still play it up. Yeah, that's It right. was so exciting. That was, like, such a fun time for them um, and for the school and for everybody that went there. And Coach Driscoll, who's still, still there, and he's just awesome. And uh, and that was one of my great memories uh, working at ESPN. It was one of the most fun things I got to do. That's really cool. And, by the way, I think you also notified a bunch of people in town that didn't know that Lazy River existed. I mean, it wasn't like everybody knew in town that it wasn't just across the country. I think it was even in town. So It's the uh, first really place cool. I would take recruits. Right? I mean, <laughs> how many people have a lazy, lazy river in the dorms? <laughs> it was great. The, the player I was interviewing, like, yeah, I'm all in. I'll get it. And the camera guy's like, I don't know about this. And I'm like, no, 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 trust me. Like, we'll just, I won't, I'm professional at being in a pool. Like, I'll <laughs> hold on to the mic. And it was, it was awesome. So there is a lazy river at UNF. I don't know if that helps you with your studies or hurts you with your studies, but it goes through the dorms and it's awesome. Awesome. Some uh, soccer programs doing pretty well as well as you played soccer at uh, UNF. All right, uh, if Matthew Driscoll is here, he'd say, let's go. It's go time for the draft. He would say it a little bit louder and, uh, and longer. more hype, yes. and, uh, and he'd be, like, fired up, and he'd be, like, running laps. And he'd have yeah. a Dunkin' Donuts in his hand, probably. Uh, what's your take on the Jags? And, and you've been around it for the last couple of days, and you're here uh, covering it. Uh, they're not telling anybody what they're doing, but is this as obvious as it is maybe to me that they're going pass rusher, or do you think offensive line could be in play? So it's funny because Doug Peterson said yesterday, you can overthink this and you can overtalk this because they were doing meetings after meetings after meetings. And I talked to them when they were coming off the field yesterday and they're like, we're going to have a couple more meetings. We haven't made a final decision. And I said, I go, what more can you talk about? What more can you talk about at this point? And he said, you can overtalk it, but I'm one of these people like conspiracy theory. Like if I think it's this, then it's not this. So everyone has said an edge rusher. Everyone has said that. Uh, every player I talked to this week has said it. Every mock draft pretty much says it so then you know i always think like how are we being tricked like is this the narrative oh, that yeah. got put out there again everyone is saying pass rusher but nothing ever surprises me anymore so have we all been set up to think that have we you know i think these things with these mock drafts as everyone gets on this you know for a while it was aiden Hutch for a long time it was aiden hutchinson aiden hutchinson it's all you heard and then inevitably what always happens is like then there's like a hot name like a week or two out and now we're hearing trayvon and now we're hearing maybe it's icky and and but you go back to it had been in Aiden all along. So what changed? He didn't play another football game. Uh, but I, you know, again, I, I overthink it. When Doug says that, like, I'm the one that's overthinking it and thinking about how are they moving these chess pieces and did they tell all these guys to say edge rusher. So um, I'm not helping you. I, I, I think the obvious answer is edge rusher, but then that makes me second-guess that. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, listen, we talk about it every day too much, and, and you can overthink it and over-talk about it, but I think I simplify it. I think it's pretty easy. Jags have stunk in sacks and turnovers the last couple of years. They're one of the worst in the league. Yep. I think they got to get better and help Trevor out. Brett Martineau, Sarah Walsh, hanging out here at Daly's Place, Jags headquarters. It's draft night 2022. Uh, what's the, when you get the assignment here, back-to-back -back number one overall picks. I know you like coming back to this area, so that's one thing, but are they, is the, is the talk outside of Jacksonville, are they ever going to flip it and change it or is it always going to be like this? Kind of, I guess, like Detroit's talked for a long time. Yeah, I don't feel like it's a Detroit thing. I really don't. And I think that Doug Peterson can change things. I think that 
clearly they don't want to be in this position a year from now. It's it's you know it's a it's a blessing and a curse, right? It's exciting today. You get the number one overall pick, but there's a reason you got the number one overall pick, and you don't want to be in that position again. I think did I read there's no team that's ever picked number one overall three years in a row. And there hasn't. So, look, I don't think they're picking number one next year. Um, I'm sure they hope they're not picking top ten next year. And I do think that things change in this league, and I think that they can change quicker than people expect. I mean, I don't think people thought Cincinnati was in the Super Bowl last year at at some point, right? And they weren't in the situation that the Jags were in. But I think that, yeah, you can get things going in the right direction. I think you can get them going in the right direction faster than you think. This league changes really quickly. There's a lot of turnover in the league. And so, yeah, I do get the sense. And, and again, I, I think, and I'm sure the Jaguars hope last year was such an anomaly in terms of the news that was coming out of this place because everyone I talked to this week in terms of the players say it is just such a dis- different atmosphere already. It is such a sort of weight-lifted, sigh-of-relief thing. I know they're really big on Peterson. I know they haven't played a game yet, so that can always change, right? But I I know that there is definitely a sense of being really appreciative for a guy that played football in the NFL uh, in terms of him understanding them. I've heard that across the board of being relatable, uh, um, of him being a player's coach, and I think that makes a difference to players. Yeah, I think you're right, too. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people, just not even players, just operational people that could feel all that stuff from last year. So Doug Peterson's a good guy. Everybody says it. And when he walked in that building, it certainly relieved a lot of that. So at least there's that. If you're going to lose in Jacksonville, lose with, well, feeling a little bit better about coming to work every day. So there might be that, uh, that element. Uh, one last one for you, then we'll let you run because I know you got a lot of work to do. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, have you lost any hope in Trevor despite all the stuff that did go on last year? Because it was pretty much consensus this time last year. He's going to be a very good quarterback in the NFL. What's interesting to me is he didn't perform well. But I don't really think he's lost that consensus. I think nationally, people still feel like, or at least give him a pass because of the urban situation. I think that's an unfair shake if you're judging him based on last year. I think that's really tough. I mean, here he is. He's a rookie. He's number one overall. And then look at the chaos that he got thrown into. Not a great place to be, right, And uh, in your first year. It, nothing was going right, uh, and, and in fairness, like the headlines weren't really on him, right, because the headlines were elsewhere, but I think that's really tough. You're a first-year player in the NFL. You're the first-year quarterback, and you have a first-year head coach, and things are not going smoothly. I think it's uh, I, I think it's like a redshirt season in terms of judging Trevor on what happened there. Um, you know, the, the defense, like their struggles, you can't get to takeaways. That's not helping a, a younger guy, and I think I talked to him yesterday, and I left that conversation talking to him pumped, man. Like, I'm on, like, Team Trevor after the conversation <laughs> I had with him. You know, the other thing he said that was interesting is, uh, you know, Doug Peterson being an offensive guy, being a quarterback, he's going to be in the quarterback meetings with Trevor, and Trevor's like, I haven't had that. Like, this is a guy that's going to sit in on quarterback meetings with me, not just like the offensive meetings and that puts me on the same page and he also you know was talking to me about his just demeanor he's like i'm a calm guy like that's just how i operate and that's how doug operates and that and that ma- i mean that matters to you're asking this guy to be a leader of your team and you're bringing him in and he's a rookie and it's and it's total chaos right that's just a that's a tough spot to be in so yeah i hope for success for trevor i i'm in on trevor um i i think he's excited about this year i think that he feels really good about the pieces they put around him he's psyched about the cam news that came out uh, I, I think he feels good. I feel. I think he feels like they're putting him in a really good position. Yeah, I think that's a and really that good matters. Read. Yeah, it does. He's a really good read by a super mature kid at 22 years old. Um, my one-on-one with Trevor coming up in just a little bit here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. What do you have coming up tonight on NFL Network? And really, next couple of days, you'll be in Jacksonville, I think, through tomorrow? I'm just camping out here. <laughs> um, actually, there's an RV show in the parking lot. I'm actually not sure why they didn't get us an RV, to be quite honest. Yeah. Like, I should have just been living. I almost bought one, actually, earlier waiting around. I go, so did we. We went out and I, 
I, by the way, I had no idea the RV world. My producer's like, you want to go check those out? And I'm like, oh, okay, why, why not? And uh, they're like tour, rock star oh, tour buses. Awesome. Uh, very important. You're like really changing my game plans here. But yes, we should have been sponsored by one. I should have been. I'm pretty much living here anyway. So I have a, a million more hits before this pick is made, a million more after. We'll be here tomorrow, whether that's with their uh, top pick, if they're bringing them in or not. But so, yeah, it's been great camping out in Jackson for a week. Hey, could not ask for better weather. Uh, there's people up covering the jets. It's windy. It's miserable. Like, I will take palm trees any day and every day. Well, welcome back uh, here to Jacksonville and uh, swoop. Thank you. Right. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> how it goes. Uh, University of North Florida alum, Sarah Walsh. Uh, check her out on NFL Network and Fox as well uh, throughout the year. Thanks for stopping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. That's Sarah Walsh, and uh, she will be covering the Jags here for the next couple of days. Let's take a break. We'll come back, and we'll cover the Jags some more. Did you hear the news about Josh Allen? No-brainer for the Jacksonville Jaguars. I think they should extend them in the next couple of months. I think it would say a lot for this locker room. Will they do it? We'll talk about it. Josh Allen conversation coming up on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. You know, you can make the case for Walker on fit as well, you know, and I, I look at Caldwell's scheme and being there, Todd Bowles, and you think about JPP and the success he had, you know, you could you could make that match there with Walker. I think, you know, Hutchinson getting a chance to rush from a two-point stance there would, would be pretty dynamic as well. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's what you know right now with Hutchinson. I think he comes in clear packaging. I think there's some unknown uh, there with Walker, but I... I think that we sell Hutchinson short on the ceiling, and I feel like we sell Walker a little short on the floor. Uh, I love that guy, Daniel Jeremiah from the NFL Network. And I, I think the DJ and I think alike a little bit. Did that sound a little bit like I said? I think they bit. do. I think they do cut Hutchinson short on his ceiling. I don't buy that. Now, I think if you, what I don't know if they've asked the question enough is, could he have possibly been a one-year wonder? So if you don't think he has a high ceiling, was he a one-year wonder? Heisman Trophy finalist, 14 sacks. Why don't they bring that up? I don't see many people doing that. Well, then if that's not the case, if you think he's going to continue to do this kind of stuff, well, then why is the ceiling low? I don't get it. He's 21, 22. He'll only get better. And now he figured some stuff out. I don't understand that. He'll get better coaching. He'll be in a better situation. He'll be around better players. So, uh, and I... I guess I haven't talked a lot about the floor of Walker. I, I, I guess that's a narrative around there, according to Daniel Jeremiah, the boom or bust part. Uh, but I thought there was a terrific article, and I tweeted it today, uh, the ringer.com. Um, I don't even know how I found it because I don't usually go on there very often. But it's a fascinating article. Casey, I'm not sure if you got a chance to see it, but it was about all the Georgia players in Kirby Smart's defense and why they don't have the production that maybe others do, why it's not as eye-popping, but why they might still be valuable to the point where in the article, their belief was, or the thought was, the way Kirby Smart played his defense at the collegiate level is going to be the way they start playing it in the NFL. And therefore, a player that has the versatility of a walker comes in to supreme value as you mix things up. And I think we have seen a little bit of that anyway, all this hybrid stuff, right? All the nickel, everything. We're seeing the defenses change anyhow. Uh, we hear versatility all the time. And so it was a really good article. If you haven't checked it out, I tweeted it out earlier today, at Brent A.S. Jacks. Uh, we don't want you not listening to the show, but it, it's a good explainer. And I'm, I felt better about Walker after reading it 
Now, you could probably go read something else a minute later and feel not so good about him. That's the right. way this stuff works. Brent Martin, Casey Kurtz, we're outside Daly's Place. We're at Jags headquarters. Just had Sarah Walsh on. You can always go back and listen to the Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 podcast. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. But it was fun to catch up with the former UNF Osprey here to cover the Jags for NFL Network the next uh, couple of days. We mentioned during that interview Josh Allen. Uh, Fifth-year option picked up on Josh. No surprise, Casey. No brainer, Casey. Uh, we were to hammer the organization, I think, if they didn't. Uh, this was the next logical step. And I wonder if it was planned to come out on a day where the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to take another pass rusher to help Josh out. I like what you're thinking in that term, Brent. But, yeah, uh, yeah, it's a no-brainer, obviously. He's your maybe your best player, but behind Trevor Lawrence, your most important player, in my opinion. Uh, you had to do it. He's been really one of the good things in the last couple of years that haven't been good. So, yeah, you got to take care of this guy. Hopefully the long-term deal comes uh, sooner rather than later, I'll say, for Josh's case because he's a guy you want around here. And, uh, yeah, I'll buy into uh, what you're trying to sell me right there. They, they're they going to take care of him on the contract today, and they're also going to get him somebody so he's not double-teamed on every play. So I'll buy into that. I'm with you on that one. Uh, guys like Kyle Murray did have their fifth-year option picked up. Guy like Daniel Jones did not around the NFL. How do you view Josh Allen? Are you concerned about some of his productivity based on injury? And then last year, where did he go at times? Or do you buy into the guy that beat the other Josh Allen in Buffalo and also that rookie year where he had ten and a half sacks and say, hey, I've seen him do it. He can do this, but he probably can't do it by himself. Yeah, no, I, I buy into Josh Allen 100 and all the percent you can possibly buy into him. It's hard to do it by yourself, and it's harder to do it by yourself when you play on the Jags. No offense to Smoot. I like Smoot. I talked about him the other day. He's a good guy for this team, but he's – he, he's, it's just not going to cut it. You have Josh Allen, who's, I think, a very, very good player. I think he will continue to be good, but you got to get this guy some help. He's, he has shown at times he can do it on his own. Obviously, that Buffalo game, he had help inside, and then he could really feast. But at the end of the day, he did it in that game. He won them that game for a lot of reasons. So I think that's the guy that you should buy into. Get this man help, and then when he's not double-teamed every play, let's see what he can do because I guarantee you it's going to be pretty good. By the way, I, I, I have said this countless times, and I think this is a way to look at how this draft unfolds. By the end of it, we're going to ask, okay, did the Jags get a lot better? Did they get better around Trevor? Did they get better from Mike Caldwell in defense and fill some holes? But if you want to put that in a, in a microscope, okay, I think what you're looking at for the folks, and I've said this countless times again, if you're looking at offensive line, you're telling me, hey, Brent, we want to protect Trevor. We want to help Trevor. Anything to help Trevor is good for me. I agree with you. But I just don't know what Ike Aquanu and Evan Neal do to help Trevor go from 12 touchdowns, 17 picks to 30 touchdowns, 12 picks. Like, I don't see how a guy that might come in and play guard helps you do that. They got sacked like 32 times last year. That was not that bad in the NFL. Yeah. But then I go to the other side and I say, Hutchinson, Walker, one of these guys, Thibodeau, if you want to throw him in there, how does he help? One of your stud players on defense, and how does he overall help your defense? And I just, that's where my logic comes into play, folks, where I think this guy helps Josh Allen more than an offensive lineman helps Trevor Lawrence. And I also think an edge guy, a pass rush guy that's helping Josh Allen also helps build up a defense that has really suffered in the categories of sacks and turnovers. This offense last year didn't suffer from a Trevor Lawrence getting hammered on every play. It didn't. 
I know you want to protect him. You should want to protect him. you got to keep him upright. But he did not get hammered. Like, let's not fall into the Joe Burrow category of a couple years ago, and even at times last year, that Burrow got hammered. Trevor Lawrence yeah. did not. Trevor Lawrence could, took, like, as I remember it, three or four hits that I was like, oh. Yeah. And I was like, and, and by the way, I give Trevor a lot of credit for that too. But I was saying more ooh about the Jags not getting a turnover every game or getting a sack in a spot when they needed it on third down. Yeah, I I, I absolutely agree. I think you got to help Trevor Lawrence, but I agree with your point that what is a guard really going to do? I understand the argument, and it, the people that want them to pick offensive line, I respect it because at this point, uh, if you're still on it, I really do respect it. But I, <laughs> I think you have to help Josh Allen because for my money, and I see people not agreeing, and that's fair. Everyone has their own opinion. For my money, I think this guy's the second best, if not the best player on the team. You have to find a way to help him. Yeah, I, well, and that's the thing, and that's, what, that's my point of the conversation. Trevor Lawrence is the guy. Trevor Lawrence is the face. If this team, this franchise, is going to turn itself around, Josh Allen is a kingpin of that defense now. Josh Allen is a big part of it. He's a guy that wants to be here. He's a guy that you've seen what he can do. He's a superb athlete. He's dedicated to the franchise, to the fan base, to everything. That's the guy you want. You talk about culture. You talk about cultivating. Josh Allen, from a player-person standpoint, that's the guy that the Jaguars want to keep and keep putting him on a pedestal to get him as good as he can be, much like Trevor Lawrence on the offensive side. They have two kingpins on both sides of the ball. When's the last time we could say that? When's the last time we could say that in Jacksonville? I don't remember. And so that is how important it is, I think, to help Josh be that much better. And, by the way, to that point, that's why I'm a big believer in Josh Allen getting extension. And I'm not convinced they won't do it. I think this is the first move. you got to do this. I just don't think there's a lot of attention on, okay, let's do this with Josh yet. It's more of a back burner story for the team and franchise. They had to hire a coach. They had to go sign people in free agency. They had to uh, scout this draft, build their board, and now they have draft weekend. And now they're getting into the football side of things here in April and May. They were just on the field this morning. But I think the summer months now turn to a possibility of getting a deal done with Josh Allen. And I think it would do wonders for this franchise, wonders for the locker room. I think it's important for the locker room to sign and keep guys that have produced but also want to be here and are, are good character locker room guys. I think it would say a lot. Look for that to happen. Now, I'm not telling you I have inside information. I, I'm more telling you I want to speak it into existence. Facts. I'm I think you. it should happen. Like, Again, it's cool that Cam Robinson got signed and extended. I didn't anticipate that. I wasn't talking like that about him in this sense. I was actually a little surprised they even tagged him, quite frankly. Not surprised at all that they extend or get the option on uh, Josh. And I would not be surprised one bit by Labor Day weekend if Josh Allen has himself a new extension. Uh, I think it would make a lot of sense for this franchise uh, to do that. Let's take a break. Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. What are we doing when we come back? Are we talking Trevor or Sal Powell? Uh, I think Trevor's going to do the talking with you when we come back. Oh, good. Okay, let's uh, hear from Trevor Lawrence, my one-on-one conversation in its entirety with Trevor Lawrence. First one done locally, by the way, since he's been drafted. It's coming up next, Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690.